and welcome to this exciting episode of Plastic Surgery Weekly. I'm your host, Clint Evans, and my special guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Rockmore. How are you doing, Dr. Rockmore? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic episode with lots of interesting insights. And Before we get too deep into those, tell me a little bit about your background and practice. Well, my name is Jeff Rockmore. I'm a plastic surgeon uh, who's board certified and operates in uh, the upstate New York area in Albany. Uh, I've been in practice for 17 years now, um, and the focus of my practice is cosmetic surgery, including both the face and the body. All right. Yeah, I don't notice too much of a New York accent, so maybe that'll come out with uh, where you're from or where you did some of your training. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think nobody thinks that they have an accent, um, so I'm probably the worst judge of it. Right. Well, being from Austin, Texas myself, I can certainly tell with that eastern, northeast accent, and uh, you don't seem to have one. So tell me a little bit, um, how did you get into plastic surgery, or what, what attracted you to it? Well, when I first started uh, training in medicine, I really didn't know much about the field of plastic surgery at all. I barely knew that it existed, uh, and the field has changed a lot. I always envisioned myself as a surgeon, uh, and I think that there's a different personality that goes into surgery uh, than into other forms of medicine. Uh, it's something that wants to have an immediate impact, an immediate result, and a solution to a problem. I think that most surgeons are problem solvers by nature, and I think that plastic surgeons really take that to another degree because the thing about plastic surgery that drew me to it was that there was no specific solution to every problem. Every problem was a little bit different, and every solution was individualized, and I liked uh, the fact that it... Um, really had a big, a big artistic component to it, and every face is different, and every nose is different, and every chest is different. And by combining the artistry with the surgery, I think that we can get the best results. And that was what always drew me to the field. Yeah, that's a common thread I've seen with a lot of surgeons is you have that artistic bent combined with interest in medicine, being good with your hands, having fantastic dexterity that you can apply to the surgery while also getting to exercise some of those uh, artistic desires and combining those two. Yeah, and I think that a lot of surgery and medicine is very algorithmic, meaning here, this is the problem and this is the solution. Um, for instance, if you have appendicitis, that's your issue. Take out the appendix as a solution. I don't think plastic surgery is like that. If you look at a face, there's a lot of different treatments, and every plastic surgeon would probably approach it a little bit differently. And that's where I think the beauty of it is. Uh, it, it, it's a lot more interpretive. And I think that trying to work with a patient to figure out what's best to meet their needs, both uh, in terms of recovery and their expectations, that's what I find particularly interested in. interesting. Yeah, you've got a lot of different tools in that toolbox. And uh, maybe the flathead screwdriver, maybe the Phillips, maybe something else that's going to get them the best fit for what they described as uh, what they desire and their expectations. So get to exercise that creativity and find the, the right best fit there. So Well, and our field has changed a lot in that there's a lot more options now than there was even when I first went into practice. When I went, yes. first went into practice, there were very few non-invasive uh, solutions. Now we've got a host of different injectables and uh, options in lasers and a variety of different things. So it allows us to, to treat 
many more situations, um, and it makes it much more accessible for, for people because you can do things that don't have recovery time. And um, you know, the surgery, the field of plastic surgery, has really evolved over the last couple decades. Yeah, we're seeing tremendous uh, creativity and innovations. A lot of times on proven, established technology, but being used in a new way for uh, new procedures and solving new things in uh, plastic surgery. So we're talking some a little bit about the, the changes and the, the innovations, and how do you see that the Internet has changed the researching phase for patients before they even set foot into a plastic surgeon's office? There's so much information that's available uh, through the Internet now uh, that it's really changed how people research everything, including plastic surgery. Uh, people are updated with the latest technologies almost in real time at the same time that the surgeons are, uh, which really forces us to stay on our toes because you have to keep up with this constantly evolving field. People can see what is involved in all these different uh, both surgeries and uh, non-surgical techniques that, that can be done, um, and they can see a variety of different before and afters before they even get here. So they can try to find both people that represent what they think they look like currently or want to look like afterwards, uh, and then also try to research doctors who uh, do these type of procedures. So they have a tremendous amount of information, uh, both from the technical aspect but also um, on the doctor's results. And it really has changed the way that we see people. People now come into the office pretty well educated, uh, and there are some misconceptions that are out there on the Internet that have to be dispelled when people come, but that they've had, many people have had a chance to do a significant amount of research, so they really have a pretty good idea about what they're interested in before I even see them. Gotcha. So they, they can guide that conversation, hey, let's start here, and then you can say, well, unfortunately, that's a myth. We'll probably want to go this other direction or this other procedure, and... Uh they have more of a jumping-off point from there, it sounds like. Well, they do. They've got a, a lot of information in, um, to try to give them what they think is best. Now, that doesn't mean that that's always the best option, and I have other people that may came, come in with a, uh, a preconceived thought about what's going to work best for them, and we may take that in an entirely different direction and say, you know, that that is an option, but there are some other options that you may not have thought about that may work just as well for you, if not better. Um, and that's where it helps to come in for the consultation and that, you know, every situation is a little bit unique. Every face is different. Um, so we want to try to figure out what's going to be best for them to look the way they want to look, but also look natural and make it look like they never came here. Certainly. And you've been in practice long enough, as you said, uh, 17 years, correct? 17 years, correct. Yes. Yeah. And so... You were doing consultations one way before the internet proliferated, and sounds like that's changed up a little bit now. So, if I have made that association correctly, how have your consultations changed with the way the internet and research has gone? We really had to spend a lot more time educating patients in the past because they would come in without the benefit of all the information that's out there. So if somebody came in, say, for breast augmentation, they didn't know a lot of, about um, what implants are made of and what's involved in the process and the recovery and all the little details of the procedure. Now, through a variety of different Internet options, they can see information on 
all the different implant types on what might work out best for them. They can read uh, about patient experiences and, and what the recovery is like and um, what the procedure is involved in. And so there's even diagrams and, and YouTube videos that show how the procedure goes. So, you know, there's a tremendous amount of information that's out there. I'm not saying that it's all helpful, um, but people come pretty well educated before they even come to our office now. So um, they have fairly set ideas on, on what they want, and it's really made the process a bit easier for us. Gotcha. So that's been one of the positive changes, and our whole theme with this episode has been the changes in, in technology and other things that have shifted into how plastic surgery works one of the things you've done a lot of are the breast augmentations that you just mentioned talk about how those have changed the amount of procedures and the options available over the last 15 years with technology's continued march forward well breast augmentation is a large part of my practice and breast augmentation is extremely common uh, over the last several years it's either been the most common or the second most common cosmetic uh, procedure that's done in America. And the biggest change in breast augmentation has been the implant options. There's so many more implants available now than used to be, uh, so it allows us to really uh, come up with a three-dimensional approach to meet this patient's specific needs. We now can match the width of the implant to the width of the patient's chest so that we can have a nice natural cleavage and avoid the big space in the middle. And then by varying the profile or the projection of the implant, we can give them the fullness that they desire or a more of a conservative approach. Implants that are available now that weren't available uh, when I first went into practice are the whole family of silicone implants. Before I went into practice, silicone uh, was used and then they were taken off the market for a long period of time due to the previous concerns over uh, health risks uh, and uh, some issues with the implant shell. Now there's a variety of different implant options uh, that are that are silicone-based that are extremely safe and very natural. Um, and instead of coming in just a couple of different shapes and sizes, there's a plethora of different options. And that really has allowed us to create a, a lot of different looks, but also create a really natural result. Yeah, that's the fantastic thing when you have more of those options. There's lots of different uh, body types that uh, women come in with. So you, like you said, you can have that more natural match to uh, what looks... Well, and that's exactly true because every breast is different. Everybody's chest is different. So it doesn't mean that every 400cc implant is going to look the same in every single patient. So by having a lot of different options available, we can tailor and individualize the procedure for the individual patient. The other thing that's happened with breast augmentation is that um, by changing a little bit of the operative procedure and, and tweaking it a bit, the recovery time is much shorter than it used to be. And most of my patients are able to drive within a day or two. Um, I've got a lot of people that go back to work within four or five days, um, and, and it's really made the procedure much more palatable for them and much more pleasant. Yeah, that's been an extremely positive development. And, of course, the more natural and the closer to expectations it looks, it gets to that deeper psychological level and the self-esteem level is much higher versus uh, maybe 20, 30 years ago when things didn't always turn out as the, the woman envisioned and all of the nasty things from there. Well, and that's, I think that, that having all the information beforehand and having patients go through um, lots of before and after pictures of people that have had the procedure done um, has helped um, with, with their expectations and also helped people 
communicate the result that they're hoping for. I often have people bringing pictures of breasts that they think are aesthetically pleasing so that they um, can show me the look that they're hoping to achieve. And I think that that's very helpful as well. We've got a sizing system that we have people uh, use in our office, which also helps um, kind of show them what the different volumes will, will look like uh, in clothing. And between that and talking about it a fair amount and using the three-dimensional approach that I uh, previously referred to, we really can get a consistently nice result and have people be happy. And at the end of the day, a happy patient is the best part of the day. For sure. And that's one of the unique things also about plastic surgery is you're getting more to the identity and the desires versus um, usually negative situations where if somebody's got a uh, appendix ruptured or you know heart problems or whatever that a surgeon has to operate on, that that's fixing a problem. And yeah, the patient's grateful, but it, in this case, it's more aspirational and inspirational. Uh, Absolutely. And that, that's yeah, and that's part of the beauty of, of the uh, fields uh, to me. Um, it is a little bit different, and expectations are, are certainly much higher um, with elective-type procedures, um, but that's okay. Yeah, and uh, we've talked uh, about a number of changes and some of the disruptions, certainly with the Internet. It's allowed a lot more collaboration of ideas and people to, to come together to disrupt almost every industry. What do you see as a big threat or disruption to plastic surgeons and their practices? I think that the biggest disruption for plastic surgery uh, right now is that there's a lot of non-plastic surgeons performing procedures. And I don't mean to condemn every person who's not a board-certified plastic surgeon because that's not my intent. But there's a lot of non-plastic surgeons who do both surgical and non-surgical procedures without proper training. Um, and I think that the results can be a bit worrisome when that happens. The other area that I think is uh, a bit of an issue is surgical tourism. And what I mean by surgical tourism is people going out of the country to have plastic surgery procedures uh, in attempts to curb the financial uh, concerns over the procedure, meaning make it less expensive. Right. The downside is that the, the uh, people that are performing the surgery in other countries aren't subjected to the same amount of regulation. So there are some safety concerns. Um, and when you go away and have something done, you don't typically have the same follow-up. And follow-up's important in plastic surgery. That way, if something uh, goes awry, it can be addressed immediately and it can be you can develop a relationship with a plastic surgeon so that you can give the best chance of having the safest and best results. Yes, you have that recourse so that it has to be fixed in a satisfactory way. And like you said, uh, have the proper sterilization and preparation and all of that stuff so that the procedure has the highest probability to go smoothly without any complications. Yes, I mean, there's, there's not any regulation in, in a lot of countries that do a, lot, a fair amount of plastic surgery. So in America, we're heavily regulated, and that has its, certainly has its cons, but it, it certainly also has its pros for the patient. And uh, I think that there's a big safety um, margin in America, and I'm not sure that surgery is the best place to try to cut a corner financially. Yeah, exactly. As we get into our final topic here, Dr. Rockmore, what do you feel has been the main driver for the growth of your practice? I think that there's a couple drivers. I think the main driver for 
almost any practice, and my practice included, is word of mouth. Happy patients. There's nothing that is better uh, advertising for you as a surgeon or for your practice than a happy patient that's out there talking about their pleasant experience and their good results. And um, as plastic surgery has evolved over the last couple decades, it's much more out in the open. So people are more willing to talk about the uh, fact that they had surgery or had a procedure done. Even 10 or 15 years ago, in the Northeast, it was pretty quiet. If you had something done, you kept it primarily to yourself. Now people are out on the Internet and in chat rooms and even out in public talking about it, and they're either proud of their procedure or happy to be open about it because it's so common. And I think that that's created uh, a self-fulfilling cycle where more people are talking about it, which then more people are having the procedure, and then more people are talking about it, et cetera. I think that the other driver is Internet. There's some uh, both our site, which people shop and see and review, which has a tremendous amount of information on it, uh, as well as other sites like uh, Real Self. Real Self is a site that's de- yeah. devoted to uh, cosmetic surgery and cosmetic procedures that has a tremendous amount of usage. Um, and people can see before and afters and see doctors and uh, ask questions, and it's it's very interactive. Um, and the amount of people participating in sites like that is tremendous. For sure. Well, Dr. Rockmore, as we wrap this episode, tell each listener where they can find out about you and what you're currently working on. Well, the best place to find out about me and and hear some more information about myself would be to go on my website, and that's uh, drjeffreyrockmore.com. That has some videos and and a lot of procedural uh, information as well as before and afters and a full gallery of patients that have had uh, procedures done. Yes, those before and after photos, and we will have that, uh, the spelling and the link and everything in the show notes that you can click right on because it is a little bit of a a tricky spelling there. So (laughs) I want to thank you for sharing these insights with us today, Dr. Rockmore. I thank you for having me. It's a beautiful day out there, and I hope you get a chance to see some of it. Yeah, exactly. And as we talked about with the theme here, there's a lot more information available that's changed things, allowed you to be better educated. So definitely check out Dr. Rockmore's website, I want to thank you for sharing this time with us because that is the only really limited asset that we have as humans in this abundant world. I'm your host, Clint Evans, and that's a wrap for this episode of Plastic Surgery Weekly.